Welcome to Path to Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. Jonathan here, continuing our Warband Wisdom series, where Aman and I are taking turns covering each Warband with a special guest. We want these episodes to be as evergreen as possible, but as a point of reference, this episode was recorded on May 18th, 2020. My special guest today is Derek Captain Murder Traquer, who is here to help me talk about Magor's Fiends. Uh, how are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing really good, brother. How are you? Doing good. Um, let's see. We're going to launch. Uh, we've had you briefly on the podcast before, I think, um, to talk about uh, your performance at a tournament. But we're going to go through some more in-depth questions um, so the listeners can get to know you a little bit. Sounds good. The first one is just how long have you been involved with the hobby? I've actually been involved with Games Workshop games probably since high school, which would be the, the early 90s for me. I really enjoyed Warhammer Fantasy. I joined about when the Bretonians had just come out. Uh, I play a lot of I played a lot of Blood Bowl. I really only play Blood Bowl Sevens now. But over the years, I've uh, come out, come in, and uh, now really just playing the the Blood Bowl Sevens and Underworlds. Gotcha. When did you start playing uh, Underworlds? During what part I, of the release? I actually played right at release of Shakespeare. Uh, really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the game right on the outset. I also had some Age of Sigmar armies that I was playing at the time. And since Shadespire has come out, I've actually sold off all of them. So now Underworlds is really my my only game. <laughs> Just all in, huh? It, it, Matt, I really am. You you would be surprised <laughs> how how easy it is to just put set aside the time, paint up a team, learn how to play a team, as opposed to putting together a a full army uh, for yeah. Sigmar. That by the time. I'd be done collecting all the pieces for it, uh, getting everything painted to, to at least a semi-tabletop standard. I'd never even want to look at them again. So, Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. What do you think is your favorite thing about the game? It's really the slick rule design. Uh, anyone mm-hmm. that's played Games Workshop for, for a long time has noticed that there's a lot of areas where the rules can get can get fuzzy. Uh, so Shadespire has done a great job of eliminating those, the regular FAQs. Uh, the tournament support has been amazing uh, from Games Workshop, which has been awesome. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the hex format. I, I don't know if, if you've felt the same way, but I've noticed that uh, a lot of the interesting uh, shenanigans that can occur in other games workshop games just has to do with how they've measured out where the models are going and where they're hitting from and having the the hexes and the rules around the hexes has really cleaned a lot of that up and made for such a concise and really good game yeah yeah i agree i mean there's really there are very few things in the game that are unclear i mean every now and then you'll have like a maybe a weird reaction window faq or a wording problem but like you can't accidentally move too close or, you know, mean to move closer than you did, anything like that. It's it's uh, pretty cut and dry most of the time. So exactly. I agree because I, I used to play 40K quite a bit and you would have those issues. Um, but I feel like a lot of that's mitigated here. Um, let's see. Are there any special achievements that you're currently proud of in the world of Underworlds? No. 
<laughs> no. Nope. I have not won the last game at a Grand Clash yet. So until I do, I'm going to be chasing that dragon, and I'm not proud of anything that I've ever done before. <laughs> and I've got a goal, I tells you. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I think I know. I think I know how you feel. I think Aman definitely knows how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we actually had a, a special support group. It's called uh, Men Supporting Miniatures, and you know, Aman and I were in there. A few few other guys. Aman's not allowed there anymore now that he's got <laughs> his big trophy. But you know, we we still like him. Aman is sort of our patron saint to second place. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very understandable. <laughs> um, are you working anything currently with uh, like hobby wise or game wise? Yeah, I I've been actually doing quite a bit with the pandemic. Uh, even even though it's it hasn't been as bad it, here in Western Canada uh, mm-hmm. as as in lots of other places. Uh, notice that I said Western Canada and not those dirty Easterners, but uh, we we've been able to uh, you know bend bend sort of I forget what it's called shape the curve or whatever, but it has meant that I've been at home a lot and I gotta yeah. tell you first off my girlfriend's already sick of me uh, I, I travel a lot for work <laughs> and she's not used to having me around so much so getting all the war bands uh, painted up that I haven't done for a while. Uh, it's been a big thing. Uh, a couple of the projects that I just got done was a uh, display base for both the Thorns and the Morphlight uh, together using some of the Night Vault uh, block terrain, which I really like. Mm. Uh, I've converted uh, some some Ogroid models, so the Ogroid Thaumaturge and the Ogroid Myrmidon, into baby Bloodthirsters, and I use them as stand-ins for Rothorn and Molog. Uh, because I, I am such a big fan of corn. Um, I did a new display base for for my Magor's fiends that actually uh, Arthur from Vancouver. We met him at the Las Vegas Open. I, I don't know if you remember. Oh yeah, that. no, he had he had some incredible models. The Wild Hunt in particular, right. I remember. Yeah, that's right. He he sort of swept all the painting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he did. There and and I put in quite a bit of work to to try and uh, at least come home with something. But uh, he he really was awesome, uh, letting me pick his brain on how he did his display boards. Uh, so when I got back, I actually redid my Make or Fiends uh, display. So I'm I'm really happy with that. But my my current project is converting some Bretonian models. Uh, and lots of bits. I, I really need to thank the Calgary community uh, for for their help into a Bretonian Grimwatch because they are noble knights and they should be portrayed as such. And all you dirty ghoul eaters can <laughs> suck lady. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that sounds like a great uh, conversion because you can. It'll be like. That's what they think they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So really, really excited about that. Um, I don't know, probably about three quarters of the way through. Uh, so once that's up, I'll be looking forward to posting some pictures of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, well, let's dive into the uh, main topic. We're going to be talking about the Shadespire Warband, Magor's Fiends. Um, you know, there's, what, 24 Warbands right now? Um, what is it you think is cool about this Warband? What makes them worth learning or playing um at this time you know and probably in the future 
So I've always been a devotee of corn. Um, in, in every Games Workshop game that I've played, I've always really enjoyed uh, just patronizing the, the Blood God and murdering opponents. So having just a, a really good aggro warband with that staying power sets them apart from everyone else and makes them a ton of fun to play. Uh, even, even if I'm going to a high-level tournament and I'm playing something that I'm going to try to win, uh, I, I always keep coming back to Magor periodically. I, I would say, I st no matter what's going on, I'm still playing them more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, they they just they do it so well. Like they're just, <laughs> it, it's, it, they're exactly what corn is about. <laughs> so, they really are. Yeah. yeah, they're 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 very good at killing, and that's mostly it. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, I guess let's dive into the fighters. Um, why don't you tell me about the fighters and like what are they like and how do they work together as a complete warband? Sure. So Zarkus the Blood Sighted is, uh, I guess, the, the low man on the totem pole, even though it's funny. You'll, you'll find that all the fighters could rival the uh, team leaders in just about any warband, especially in that first season. Uh, Zarkus himself... He's got move three, one shield, and four wounds. When he's inspired, he gets up to four move, which is one of the big advantages of the warband. On his attacks, his standard attack is a one range, uh, two hammer with two damage, and it has knockback one. Uh, when he inspires, that goes to three smash, which is extremely accurate, especially uh, when he's able to get inspired. That inspire condition is when he's successful in an attack, the, the two really interesting things about Zarkus himself, first off, is that knockback, which allows you to do a, a lot of shenanigans, but he also has his Gord Fist, and this is one of the things that sets apart this warband. Uh, I, I often will call the strategy sweep the leg, and what that means is that when an opponent misses an attack, whether they missed outright or you made a successful defense, Zarkus does not get pushed back, and instead he fists ya. And <laughs> if anyone who's played against me, whether online or in person, knows how much I love fisting. And when he's not inspired, it'll be a one fury for one damage. And when he becomes inspired, it becomes a two fury uh, one damage. So you would be surprised how many tiny ghouls or, or other little dangle bros have run through a... Uh, run through a lethal hex to score calculated risk will come up, miss against Zarkus, and then uh, get fisted back. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's also a reaction. So sometimes you'll run into situations where uh, it'll block some reactions. Like I think, um, forget which one it used to block, but every now and then because it's a during. Um, and then honestly, just the like not being able to be driven back is really big as well with all the. Uh, lethal hexes around it, it especially is and even even if uh you're playing someone say like uh thorns and they miss their attack on you but whether you tie or succeed in the attack against them you can push them back uh from yeah. that action yeah uh, and that can mess up their something they were trying to do Exactly. So messing up uh, the other team's positioning is always a big thing, which which I really enjoy with these guys. 
Uh, and that brings us to the uh, the second. You, you can't call them dangle bros because they're so <laughs> they're so huge. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, car talk play skull. Uh, the more phlegm that you say it with, so car talk, uh, the better. He has the same Gorax, so uh, one one range, two smash, two damage. Uh, it does go to three smash when he's inspired. It doesn't have the knockback. Uh, it has the same Gore Fist, so the one range with the one Fury or two Fury if he's inspired with the one damage. Same Inspire condition, uh, same stats on the movement, three going to four when inspired, one shield, four wounds. His big thing is that he cannot be pushed back uh, no matter what, uh, or I'm sorry, he can't be driven back from any attacks, whether he right. succeed or not, and he still gets to fist you when he needs it. <laughs> So it's one of those uh, one of those things where when you have them up front, uh, either uh, an inexperienced opponent will uh, sort of overplay themselves, uh, trying to trying to cut through Zarkus or Garthog before they get to Megor or Riptus, or uh, your your more experienced opponents will actually have to think twice about how they're going to deal with that. And the, the more brain drain you can actually give your opponents, even on my, my two lower fighters, makes a huge difference there. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the the other two are, are sort of your, your workhorses, or in this case, uh, your work Fleshhound. Uh, Riptooth, <laughs> he's got four movement, two dodge, uh, and four wounds. He has a range one attack with his claw and teeth, three fury for two damage. Uh, if you roll a crit with any of those attack dice, he gets cleave. And then when he's inspired, he is an absolute beast. Uh, his attack goes uh, three fury to three damage, again with crit cleave. Uh, he has five movement, two dodge, and those four wounds. So he he becomes an absolute terror on the field. Yeah, because he starts out at one dodge and then he goes to two. That's right. Um, which makes him way harder to kill. Mm-hmm. And he gets faster. He, like one of the, it's one of the things about this warband is once they inspire, they get pretty much across the board um, stat increases. That that's right. And and going from that three or four movement to four or five movement. Yeah. Uh, means that you're you're able to hunt down and do a lot more murdering than you would be able to otherwise. Yeah, yeah, you do kind of rely on that first attack to go through, I feel like, but mm-hmm. um, if it does, then you're just in a great position for the next round. Absolutely. Uh, the last one that uh, we have, and and he is our leader, Magor Redhand. Uh, he's got the, the standard, uh, I guess, Corn Warrior stat line or Corn Berserker stat line of three movement, one shield, four wounds. When he inspires again, it goes up to four movement. His attack with his demonic axe, uh, and if if the old school players remember, that used to be an upgrade card uh, back in the day. But this is a one range with two smash and two damage with cleave. Uh, and when he inspires, that becomes three damage with cleave. Uh, so he he will do a lot of killing for you. And he will collect a lot of skulls and make corn happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, you know, like you like you said earlier, all these fighters are really, really good. And this guy, he's one of the 
especially in the first season, one of the hardest hitting in the in the game. So, um, how do you think about the? How do you think about McGore? Like, is he your main heavy lifter, or? You know where where it really comes down to is depend. Uh, and and it's funny because you and I played each other uh, at LVO in the skirmish with yeah. your your aggro skaven against <laughs> uh, against my Magors, and that was the only game I lost all day. Uh, and it was fun. <laughs> uh, you you had taken out both Magor and Riptooth, I, I think, in the first two activations uh, by by complete rats. But uh, really, with this warband, you're going to do a lot of work with Magor. You're going to do a lot of work with Riptooth. But again, like I mentioned before, Zarkus and Garthok. They do have stats that, that rival a lot of the top tier fighters uh, in Shadespire. And yeah. so one of the, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but one of the big things about it is that you've got uh, four, four tools in your fist and you want to murder them uh, with what, whoever, can, whoever can reach the, your target. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because, like, even if you do focus down Magor, it really only takes one damage upgrade to make Zarkus and Gartok actually maybe scarier because they're hitting for three and then they're on three smash. Um, and then you probably have more than one damage upgrade in the, in the deck. So, <laughs> you know, you can get them to four or you'll have, you might have some ping damage or something. So yeah, that's, right. that's the nice thing about this warband is they're all, they're all just like stat bricks and they do a lot of damage and they're, they're all just dangerous the whole time. And, and that's the, the real part about it, uh, unlike uh, with Reavers or the Godsworn Hunt, where right. people will describe them as the bullets, right? You'll, you'll load them up, you'll shoot them in. If they get a kill, that's, that's ideal. And no matter what after, fine, they're, they're going to die because they're only two or three wounds. Well, here you've got four wounds on shields or four wounds on two dodge. And so they can take a hit or two. And then keep dealing it out because uh, corn will keep going no matter what. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think in our game, I got fortunate to draw the uh, Nullstone sword and a great strength. And then I think you were next to a lethal hex. So, but that doesn't, that doesn't, that was kind of the stars aligning for me. Yeah, you know, it, it, it certainly was. But uh, <laughs> you might remember in, in the second round, uh, after getting a couple kills, uh, you had Zarkus uh, tooled up. Yeah. Uh, was going to be a threat to, to whoever else, uh, provided I could actually roll some hits on my dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was what was so interesting about that game, I think, is that even after you lost two fighters pretty quickly, like if the dice rolls had went a little bit differently, you may still have been able to claw it back. That's so, right, yeah. That's one of the cool things about this warband, I think. Is there a fighter that uh, you would say is your favorite? It's really Riptooth, uh, only because yeah. I really enjoy having uh, on on the pitch. I really enjoy having that extra movement. the The model is very characterful. Uh, he he was released before Games Workshop had made the Plastic Fleshhound set. Mm-hmm. So his model, and then the model that came with Corgus Cole uh, back with the the original starter set for AOS, were sort of the, the only two flesh hounds that you could get in plastic and i i really enjoyed them and i really enjoy just running around with Riptooth for for the fun of it yeah yeah they're they're great models really the uh 
it's one of the things that I love about this game is that all the models seem like they're kind of a step above, but um, and they're so flavorful. Like, I I've it's noticed cool that they're that. able to like focus so much on on making them all different. Yeah, and and that's where uh, some sometimes I get disappointed if if they don't do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to say it was the the Far Strider Warband where they had really three guys. You had the leader who who did look like the leader, but the other two were very similar. Uh, and and then some of the other warbands to a lesser degree. Uh, I'll yeah. feel that way. And I, I probably do the most replacements or conversions uh, <laughs> of a, a lot of Shadespire people there. Uh, so you'll you'll see a lot of different things for, for my teams. But for Magors, I, I just take the stock team and I'm quite happy with them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, so let's talk about the Warband a little bit more. What um, what do you think are their strengths and weaknesses? And like what uh, play styles do you think they find uh, successful so with with the strengths it, it really is the stats uh yeah. they they do have just a, a great starting line there they have decently strong faction specific cards uh to the degree that I'll, I'll have about four or five that are on the bubble besides the four or five that i take anyway yeah uh, so it, it's just a an all-around uh strong team and especially for for guys that like me that aren't actually very good at Shadespire, uh, they're they're great <laughs> out of the box to to learn with. And uh, then you you just get to charge in. You get to learn what works. You get to learn what doesn't. And because they have those four wounds and are very durable, uh, they they can be very forgiving to to mistakes. So if if you'd make that wrong charge. It might not be the end of the world, or if you lose your leader uh, off the start, you still have uh, three three big monsters that are really to ready to come at you. Yeah. Um, on the on the weaknesses side, so th- this is on the other side of it. They they are still slow, uh, especially now in the Beastgrave meta. Uh, mm-hmm. Starting with only three movement, uh, going to four is is good, but a lot of times it can be hard to chase down uh, the targets that you want. Uh, the other the other part of it is that they, they really did rely on a lot of Season 1 cards like Hidden Paths. Uh, Faneway Crystal is is sort of on the bubble for me. Sometimes I'll have it, sometimes I won't. Thankfully, it's still it's still there till the end of this season. Uh, yeah. if, if I recall correctly, there, there is a few more... Uh, movement uh movement shenanigans i would even use ready for action uh for those years that remember was a reaction card that once you played an upgrade you could do a move or attack uh i used it probably 40 percent of the time just to get an extra move so having having that motion is definitely a, a big part of it the other the other weakness that that i'd say and this is more of a meta commentary right now if you take the sort of the, the trinity of ways to play Shadespire, whether it's control or objective or aggro. I think aggro might be the one lacking right now. Uh, now, that being said, I'm, I'm not going to complain about that because aggro was taught for quite a long time. And yeah. now you have some really good objectives and now you have really good control. But really, it's, it's a matter of flex that's going to that's really going to win a lot. And Magor, t- Magor don't flex for, for <laughs> uh, 
you know, for, for as strong as they are, they, they don't, they don't like to change their tactics. So they're, they're really, you know, it's, it's sad to say they are a one trick pony, but boy, that pony is bloody and awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I do know that some people have tried to play them in sort of a hold objective style, um, you know, trying to leverage their great stats and then sort of saying like, well, you know, come at me. Um, while I try to hold these objectives with some of the surges and I would say probably with the end phase, particularly path to victory, I think those are doable, but I wouldn't, I don't think I would say that's the default way to play. Um, well, and, and you know what? I, I've tried that. Uh, I yeah. spent quite a while. I forget the gentleman's name who had done that with the orcs and yeah. it seemed like a really good idea, especially because Garthar can't get driven back. So once you get uh, stone form, uh, you get survival instincts on Riptooth, Garthok can just sit on an objective and be happy. And I, I gave it a, a pretty serious go uh, for quite a while. One of the one of the best parts about that, I, I was playing uh, one one of one of my teammates here, uh, Aaron Penny, who was was just destroying a tournament with his Rippas. And so we, we played each other and we set up and he, he was really happy because he won boards and he got to line up how he wanted. <laughs> and then when he realized that I was just going to sit on the objectives, the, the noise he made and the look on his face, uh, you know, it, it was worth it was worth losing to him so badly because <laughs> Aaron is an excellent player. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually very lucky here. We, we have a great community and some just some top tier guys. So. Uh, but yeah, doing the hold objective is awesome. Uh, another another interesting one that I've seen. This actually came uh, from Jesus. I'm gonna butcher his last name. I'm gonna really try not to. Uh, Matt from our as well. Uh, Matt Matt Penner. Uh, he he and his wife Alex are both great players. Uh, Matt came up with an idea. He called it reading with rip tubes. <laughs> and it actually puts tomes on Riptooth and yeah. then some survival, but then also some attacks uh, along with uh, the surge objective where if Riptooth kills a leader and just makes Riptooth, uh, you, you could call it maximum Riptooth or reading with Riptooth is, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, no, he, he actually called it Riptooth's Rainbow. So that that was a great one. Uh, there there are lots of fun things that you can do with this warband that might not be the the best thing out there, but it's going to it's going to be shock and awe uh, because yeah. your opponents really are not going to be expecting it. And it uh, again, the the more you can brain drain your opponent uh, trying to deal with you. The, the better shot you have in, in winning that match. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, uh, Jimmy uh, went to the January Grand Clash and I believe he was playing objectives. And hmm. I think he went three and one in the, you know, on the first day. And I think he, uh, he ended up losing to one of the guys that made it to the top 16. So yeah. that was, I think, arrows. But in that meta particularly, it was interesting because if you're an against, if you're against thorns, which was like half the meta <laughs> or Grimwatch, yeah, exactly. then either you have three objectives and they have to come get them and then you, you don't hate that or um, they have the three objectives and you get to set up on the line. <laughs> so um, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, you know, obviously he's a great player and uh, I think he was the highest performing Shadespire Warband there. So, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Um, I think just because they they're just such like stat balls that you can they're very forgiving and you can kind of do whatever you want with them. Although I think most people would agree that aggro is generally the way to go. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely yeah. would be. Uh, you know, I, I've tried lots of different variations with it and I've had a lot <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's definitely. You know, you're you're there to murder people. It, it is blood for the blood god and skulls for the skull throne. <laughs> so, trying yeah. to trying to do other things. Uh, honestly, corn will probably be be the one cursing your dice, <laughs> uh, just because he's annoyed that you haven't given him his appropriate tithes for that round. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, let's dig into the cards a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of your favorite uh, faction cards for them? So. Uh, on the objective side, uh, Show of Strength is a big one. It's a surge objective for when Magor gets a kill. Yeah. Uh, that's I, I don't think that's ever not been uh, in in any build that I've done for this team. <laughs> yeah. I often use No Escape. It's very meta dependent. No Escape is another surge where if you uh, make three charges in the round, it's great if. You get it the first round against someone who's not hiding in the back, uh, yeah. but then you'll you'll find that you'll always draw it first round when you're playing against control perspectors <laughs> or something like that. Uh, so between that and strong start are sort of I'll, I'll always take one or the other, but I'm never quite sure which. Right. Uh, for for gambits, uh, I, I want to mention demonic resilience. So what this does, it's a it's a gambit ploy. Uh, the first friendly fighter who suffers any amount of damage in the next activation only suffers one damage. Now, there's a couple of big points about this. Uh, the, the first one is that it means that you can charge in with Meg or someone else, even though you're expecting that counterattack and still only take one. But remember, it does say not from the attack. It says the activation. So if they hit you, and then they have Pit Trap, Snare, and they're pushing you into a lethal, you're still only taking one damage because yeah, it's yeah. In the next activation. So that's that's become a really important utility card. Uh, the the other one on the Gambit side uh, is Ferocious Inspiration. That That is so clutch for this team. Uh, choose a friendly fighter, and they become inspired. So just having a ploy to inspire people, uh, you know, un- unless you're Skaven, there there isn't a lot of stuff that does that. But having having that capability that uh, it effectively works as a plus one movement or plus damage for your next activation, and usually yeah. quite a few of those altogether. So that that makes it really important. Uh, yeah. On the upgrades, oh sorry. Oh, one thing about demonic resilience I do want to mention is that. Um, I believe because it says in the next activation, I think if there's reactions like pit trap that are after the attack action, I think those would still affect it, but so, lethals would not. And snare, which is during the attack action would not. That's my understanding of it. Yeah. It's, it's something to that degree. Uh, you yeah. know, yeah, I think they've I said think, that the activation and yeah. the action end simultaneously. So I think Pit Trap works, but it's important to know that the Lethals don't and that Snare doesn't because um, for the Chosen Axes and the Thundrix version, um, they do work because it just says the first time that the fighter takes damage. So it's definitely an an important distinction. You know, I I would really like a flowchart on exactly (laughs) what reactions affect what and when. Oh, I know. 
Can, can you just work on that for us? <laughs> you know, I've I've, t- I've taken a stab at it before, and it's just such a nightmare. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> but I I hope that you know in the future they'll they'll just spell it out. Like I want I want them to list all 17 steps or whatever you know (laughs) yeah um but uh, i do think that's an important thing to to mention and yeah and furious inspiration is just such a good card even especially now that we don't have uh inspiration strikes although in the uh video game right now in the online version there's they do have both of them and uh man just great to get those guys inspired before you have to go in initially it, it really does. And uh, just on, on that, uh, to vary a little bit, Blazing Soul is also uh, a card yeah. uh, on the universal side that you'll always need in this, uh, just to get that same effect there. But having it having it in one gambit and one upgrade is, is nice because it means that you're not putting too much uh, of your uh, of your build into those ones into that one area uh one yeah. is, a, is a nice uh nice moderate way of doing that yeah i think it's cool that uh you know with the way that the card cycle like this four band will always have that great card that's right um, and you know i'm sure they'll explore other ways to inspire like now we have regal vision and now we have blazing soul and stuff but um th- these guys will always have one of the best ways to do it so oh, for sure and then cool. uh for for infaction and the upgrades a uh, brutal charge is surprisingly really good uh even though three of your fighters have that uh that three dice attack putting yeah. a brutal charge and uh that's roll an extra attack dice when this fighter makes a charge action so you can yep. throw that on magor and now he's got a three smash three damage cleave uh, which makes him extremely scary. And on top of that, there's also Trophy Hunter. Uh, when this fighter takes an enemy fighter out of action, gain one additional glory point, and that's Magor specific. So if you're able to tool that plus Toma offerings, that that makes for a lot of three glory kills, which will make uh, it makes Corn happy and it makes uh, makes yourself happy there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we mentioned earlier, I think, Bane of Champions. Do you like that one? I, I You know what? If you're doing a Rip 2-centric uh, build, I love it. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. a ton of fun. It, it certainly has its place, but it's not something that would go into every deck. Uh, there, Every once in a while, I'll, I'll find something that I really want to build a team around, and mm-hmm. Bane of Champions is definitely one of those cards. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. I think I prefer it over um, Victorious Duel because I feel like one of the things that one of the traps you can fall into when you're building a Magor's Fiend deck is putting too much emphasis on your leader. Right. Because usually you want to play him pretty aggressively, and if you have too many cards that involve him and then he dies, then you know it can be kind of bad. So having Riptooth sort of in your back pocket there. Um, to then go get you know a three glory kill or maybe more um, has been pretty great in some of my games, but um, I agree that sometimes it just doesn't make the cut because it's it's a big risk and it's also a big reward. So mm-hmm. you have to consider how you want to play. Yeah, it's like that. There, there was also uh, for for a very long time when Shargale uh, was still available, a yeah. lot of a lot of teams would run Rivers of Blood, where if every fighter is damaged, uh, it's worth two glory. And it was great yeah. to see, uh, and, and people would add Encroaching Shadow and Lethal Ward and things like that. So it, it was something that maybe possibly could kind of go off, 
Uh, but uh, again, it's one of those, uh, if you're going to build a murder ring, you, you <laughs> really need to, you really need to plan for it. Yeah. I think, um, that that's probably viable in the, uh, underworlds online right now. Cause they have shard gal as well. Mm-hmm. So, oh, perfect. Yeah. And that's, that's always a good card for them because it's just damage everywhere. You just have to be careful <laughs> how you use it. <laughs> um, cool. I think, uh, I think that's pretty much everything that I have. I think you basically covered all of them. They have a couple like B level upgrades and objectives. I would say like kill, kill again is sometimes okay. Yeah. Um, that's for having two fighters from each war band out of action. I, I like that one. The the other one that I'll often uh, take is uh, damn when Magor t- gets hit, uh, he takes one less damage. And I, I forget. Yeah, I think that one's called Gory Visage. I think that one's Thanks. pretty good too. Yeah, and unfortunately that was just it, it's only in the leaders pack, so it's it's sort of hard to get your hands on. Uh, and it it really comes down to how how balanced you want to build your team. It's it's probably always on the bubble for me if I'm yeah. going to take it or not. Uh, right now I'm going as aggro as possible. So uh, you know if if you hit Nagor, great, have a cookie. You know, <laughs> be happy. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to keep anyone alive. Corn does not care from where the blood flows from. <laughs> yeah, and it's another one of those situations where I guess it can both hurt and help if you're putting too much emphasis on Magor because That's if you get right. it out early, then maybe it's a little bit easier to focus on him but if it comes out late and he's already dead then it's just another dead card so um i, I have seen people play uh, no respite as well which is if uh, a fighter is taken out of action they can make an attack action with them um and that only works it doesn't work on rip tooth but it works on the other ones uh, and, and you know what that is a lot of fun to do and yeah. again a lot of people don't expect it uh i you know it's it's really I would love to use it more, but what I found is that with the number of dice that you're that you're always throwing with this, you you've got so much variance in this warband already. Trying yeah. to add that variance that you need that uh, perfect uh, perfect situation to happen just to get an extra attack doesn't doesn't always work out in your favor there. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a reactionary card, like because. You know, you have first you have to equip it, and that means your opponent knows that you have it. It's not like my turn or something. Right. And you know, they may be able to avoid it, or maybe they have a ranged fighter. So it's it's a little bit specific, but um, I think it's one of those that maybe at the beginning of a season when there aren't as many options, it's worth considering. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be worth taking in the uh, online version as well because there's a smaller card pool. But um, well, and and in the online version, there's a lot more range one attacks coming along. Yeah, that's true. I bet that card was a lot uh, more efficient in the first season when it was mainly the far striders and you know scritch and things like that um, with the ranged attack. So um, let's move on to the universals, and this can be sort of a general thing, like what kind of cards are you looking for when you build a deck? And of course, we can use specific examples from any season, really. Well, I'll, I'll start with the upgrades. Uh, of course, Blazing Soul, which I mentioned before, in order yeah. to get your team inspired, uh, is really important. One new card that came out that I think is amazing is Victor's Speed. And so what that does, it's plus one move, but it also has a reaction that after a friendly fighter's attack action that takes an enemy fighter out of action, if this card is in your hand, give this upgrade to that fighter. This does not cost any glory points. So 
What you, you can use it either as that plus one move uh, when you need it, or uh, what what I often do is at in the last activation of the first round. And remember, Makor only has four guys, so usually you're getting that plus one crit, which means that in a lot of cases you'll choose to go uh, second in the yeah. first round. And that last activation will often be either Magor or Riptooth, and they'll be going after something that they can kill. So what will happen is that Magor uh, comes in. If you're lucky, you've been able to use a Ferocious Inspiration or even the Blazing Soul on him. Uh, right. Get that kill, and then put Victor Speed. So now you've got a five-movement Magor or a six-movement uh, Riptooth. So yeah. that's... That's been uh, a really, really interesting uh, interaction that's uh, been able to add some, some additional range, which really helps to uh, really helps them out. Um, along with that Tome of Offerings, of course, Potion of Rage, I think, was made for Vigor. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Fangway Crystal to get around the board. The Great Strength, the Sting of the Urgrub uh, for that extra damage, and the Prize Vendetta for accuracy. So you you can see from the upgrades and that and just so you know this will this will really translate throughout the build itself is that you're going for consistency you're going to add some extra accuracy you're going to add some extra damage you're going to add probably more movement and then some extra things to get glory so having right. having the upgrades that showcase that is is important uh, on the gambit side. Accuracy again. So uh, a couple of them that I really like are Haymaker. Uh, you'll you'll often use this on again for Magor on that last attack. So now he's rolling four or five dice on that attack. Same with Riptooth. Uh, I you know Nightmare in the Shadows and Distraction are always important. Spectral Wings is for that extra two movement and activation is important. Pit Trap and Inspired Attack uh, for that extra damage. Uh, yeah. The, the big thing, actually, that, that I'd like to chat about, though, is two cards that, that I really enjoy using are Counter Charge and Blindside. And so yeah. for, for those of you who, who haven't seen it, Counter Charge, play after an enemy fighter's move action that is part of a charge action, choose a friendly fighter, and push them up to three hexes. This must end uh, with the push adjacent to the enemy fighter. So, uh, and then Blindside is similar uh, play this during an attack action. Notice that it can be used during your attack action or your opponent's. Before right. the attack roll, push one friendly fighter up to two hexes so that they are a supporting fighter. So now, uh, both, both cases in defense, or when you're attacking with blindside, now you have that support. And if, if you have ever uh, spent a lot of time on on an underworld's uh, odds calculator, you'll notice that when you have a support, it adds between 10 to 15% to a success. And when you're throwing as many dice as you are with Magor and playing as many games, that becomes really big uh, yeah. as that goes in there. Uh, a couple other really important parts about it is that both of them give you extra movement. So in the case of uh, countercharge, you now have that three square sidestep, side uh, sometimes when you really need it. Uh, in the case of blindside, imagine you're charging in with Magor, and now you get to blindside with one of your other fighters. 
Well, now Magor, that two dice attack, now it's supported, and again, it still has cleave. So you're going to get a lot of uh, a, a lot more successes in there. Uh, the, you know, it's it's funny. I I'll, I'll call it sweep the leg, uh, mostly because I am a, a product of the '80s, and <laughs> the Cobra Kai Shadespire Dojo is the greatest place to learn karate and beat up. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but when, when you get to do those reactions, it messes up your opponent and it gets your guys into the place that they need to be. And even more than that, you can, you can use it on them, even if they've charged. So you can often charge in with a fighter. Uh, and then if someone tries to counterattack you, or if you're charging in with a second fighter, that, that first fighter that charged is still going to be doing a lot of work for you. Right. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's so so that that's a that's become a big part uh, for my my Magor's team uh, recently. Ever since Rothrum came out, so so not that much, uh, unfortunately, just because we haven't been able to play as many games. But yeah. it's it's something that I think is is going to start to start to tip uh, being a game changer uh, for for Magor's and for Agro in general, because uh, we we do want to make Agro great again. And I think that that having those those additional reactions is a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's actually pretty interesting because you can charge in with Magor, and then if you charge in with somebody else, and then anything they do to those fighters, you may be able to push stuff around. And you have things like Spectral Wings would help you get in. I, I guess I would say it seems like maybe the only weakness of those cards is if you get long boarded or you get diagonal boarded and you're not able to close that distance, they don't really help you to close it as much as um, some other cards. But, you know, in the current card pool, I don't know if there's really a better option. One of the ones that I think I've liked is um, Desperate Flight um, as sort of a secondary version of Spectral Wings. I didn't know if maybe you'd try that is, one. Is that the one where you roll the, the, scatter, uh, the scatter dice and you get to push them along the chain? Yeah, yeah. So you'll roll, you'll roll four dice and you'll pick three, just like a snark push. Um, I've enjoyed yeah. that one as well. Kind of, it's like a basically a, a worse version of Spectral Wings for me most of the time. It usually gets me two hexes. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny? It, uh, there, there's a gentleman named Yuri in in our uh, local here who who uses that quite a bit. Mm, and yeah. It's it's funny because I want to say for every time it's worked out well for him, there's probably <laughs> more that it hasn't. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you know it's it's funny and and again uh, you know our our team here uh, the Calgary Union of Nightfall Tier One Shadespire Homies we get <laughs> the chance to get in a lot of games against each other and try a lot of different things. So it's it's funny that you'll you'll see in a lot of metas how something will will be very popular and you don't see that in another area uh the yeah. same sort of thing definitely happens here and uh unfortunately it's it's great in some cases because you get a lot of reps in but then in the case of something like desperate flight uh you you see the one guy that hasn't been able to to make it work and it, it tends to get uh you know downtrodden by by the rest but no you're yeah, that you're, makes sense that's something that's definitely there. The the one thing I do want to comment though is that I prefer Nightmare in the Shadows and Distraction to pushes for uh, my own team. The reason yeah. why is that if you're using it to get closer to the other guy, great. Uh, you can still do it. Uh, but 
then you can also mess them up on if they're trying to hold an objective or if they run through that lethal to with their two wound fighter to calculate a risk. Well, now they're dead. Great. Uh, there's there's a, a little bit uh, a little bit more utility I, I see in those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you may as well bring one enemy fighter closer to your whole warband than just bring one of your fighters a little bit closer to them. So yeah. I think that makes sense. I've, I've also definitely seen um, people use commanding stride in mm-hmm. Wars Fiends, um, which I think is similar. But again, I'm always afraid to put too much emphasis on Magor. <laughs> yeah. Almost every single time I draw that card, Magor's already dead. <laughs> there, there's that, and then uh, we'll, you know what, we'll, we'll chat about it more on the uh, on the board placement for sure. But yeah. when when your opponent's longboarding you, there there are a couple boards that really keep uh, the starting locations on the far side. Uh, Molten Shard Pit is probably my best example of that. Yeah. And so what it means is that you don't have a lot of uh, when, when you really need that extra movement, you actually can't use it because of the boards that are being used and how they're positioned. Yeah, that's true. I think that's one of the downsides uh, of that card as well. So, mm-hmm. um, definitely a lot of options there. It does seem like there's a theme um, when it comes to the upgrades and the gambits when you're building a McGor's Fiend deck. And it seems like, for the most part, you want damage and mobility. Um, it does seem like the... Uh, demonic resilience is probably the only maybe a great fortitude but i think most of the time you're going to rely on the innate durability of your warband and not flex too hard into that aspect is that I, how you I like to plan that. yeah i i used to yeah. do that quite a bit with demonic resilience uh and glory visage and great fortitude and and maybe something yeah. else uh i i'd sometimes use sudden growth in there to to really try and keep uh Magor alive but then I, I yeah. realized that, you know, you, you have those four wounds. You're going to, uh, you know, you, you care about your fighters, but you don't care that much. So, <laughs> I, so I think it's also a bit of a meta call. Like, sometimes the meta will be more about getting to that four damage mark. Um, and other times it'll be more about clearing out hordes and stuff. So For sure. And then uh, the, the other thing that I want to... Uh, mentioned is on the objectives there there are really two two schools of thought to it uh i often use very low glory uh very consistent objective hands so i'll i'll have branching fate which which i find because you're always throwing three dice uh comes out but calculated risk fired up frugal opening gambit solid gains those types of cards that you'll almost always be able to score uh And then the the other school of thought is you take that combination strike and great gains and keep chopping where you do an attack uh, with all four activations. And there there's good ways to go on. Uh, there's good arguments for both those sides on how you want to do it. It really does uh, depend on your meta. I, I find, and, and this is sort of my rule of thumb on this, there are a lot of a lot of teams and a lot of thought in Shakespeare that you're trying to get kills to get glory. Uh, and Magor is really a bit of a reverse on that. You want to get some glory so that you can upgrade your fighters to get kills, right? Uh, yeah. You, you want to do more murdering instead of just racking up a glory total. And then at the end, hopefully you've got more glory and, and then you get <laughs> 
but but really in in the case of these guys you you want to tool them up uh and getting that that first glory to commit that first murder is really what what matters to them yeah especially if the other players set up defensively um sometimes that quick on your feet or team effort glory can be what you need to get the second round going mm-hmm. yeah i think that's i think that's an important distinction um let me see let's go to the next part um it is going to be um what do you think their preferred matchups are as far as different warbands go don't care i just want to kill <laughs> no you know you know what uh control control will be hard uh objectives because that's so prevalent is going to be hard another yeah. ad is going to be hard but you know what they're all going to be really easy too uh, if if you're playing someone that's really aggro, then great, you're going to run at them. They're going to run at you. Uh, yeah. More often than not, you've got the right team for it. If if you have like uh, if you're running against a aggro Molog or an aggro Rothorn, I'll pick two of my guys that I think will be able to chop them down easy enough uh, to to get that win. If you're playing against Rippas, I think Magor has a lot of advantages over over them just with uh, having the extra number and being able to do a, a little bit more damage there. Uh, yeah. If if you're against those objective guys, uh, then you have a lot of models that you can go after and, and kill. And if you're against control, then you, you know that uh, if you get that opening hand, that even though it seems it seems pretty good, but it doesn't have any extra movement, in order to get down down the pitch and and start murdering them in their own home, uh, then you know you need to toss it and get a new one. Uh, because in, in a lot of cases, those control builds, once they've lost their first or second fighter, uh, the, the rest of it does crumble. So it, in, in a lot of cases, there's a lot of good matchups. There's a lot of bad matchups. And really, it's... Honestly, if you're if you're having a, a few bevies and want to play Shadespire, this is the one to do it because <laughs> it, you, you really know your game plan either way. Yeah, yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things about them. Like in general, I, I think probably maybe I would say their worst matchup is Thundrix Profiteers at their height, just because of the range. Um, if you if, if you're just running into that gun line with all the cleave and stuff, that could be kind of frustrating, but. Other than that, it's like the the small war bands they're they're happy to trade one for one, and the big war bands tend to be easier to kill. Um, even things like Grimwatch and stuff like that, if you know, especially if they win boards, like just charge four fighters in there, and then they're not going to inspire. You'll probably kill two or three, and um, it's interesting. It's I, I guess a lot of the time it's just uh, trying to get the glory, and especially in the end phase, um, that might be the struggle at the time. And, and you know what? You, you might be surprised. You, you mentioned Grimwatch. I have never yeah. lost to Grimwatch with Magors. Uh, I've, I've yeah. lost to Grimwatch lots of other times. But <laughs> Grimwatch does, or I'm sorry, Magor does a really good job of taking out the ghouls and taking them off objectives. And then yeah. when they, they move in, uh, the Duke, into support, that's when you get to charge in Riptooth or Magor to finish them off. And I... I, I found that that's been a, a pretty good counter to it. Unfortunately, depending on what's going on in the meta right now, there's about if if you tool Magor enough, uh, or the Fiends enough, in order to take down your local Grimwatch player, 
well, then you've got to worry about all the other things that will do a better job of taking you out because you've you've gone so so tunnel blind. Yeah, I think that, I think that's an important point. You always, I think sometimes that it's easy to do that where you'll tool too much against one thing and then you'll run to the opposite and you'll be like, man, I'm just not equipped for this. But right. <laughs> um, let's see, let's talk about boards. What is your preferred preferred board setup and uh, does your deployment strategy change in any matchup? It's it's really interesting. Uh, probably for for every warband that's out there, you, mm-hmm. you have what you want. Almost in every case, you're gonna you're gonna want to be able to set boards, even if yeah. you're against someone like Grimwatch or Goblins or Ghosts, where they can uh, they can have those three objectives. Fine, take your three objectives. I'll yeah. make sure that I've got my my Shadisian uh, star dial that has the <laughs> the four starting hexes right at the wall, the molten shard pit uh, right against there. Uh, one one thing that has you know which which is sort of sad about the meta right now is mm-hmm. that molten shard pit. Uh, you, that makes it a little bit harder for aggro warbands in order to uh, circumvent just because you have that big pit in there and it only has even even more important uh, lethals. Fine, you know I, I can deal with lethals. All Russian Garthok uh, in there, so you can't push them into a lethal anyway. But the the hardest part about it is the lack of starting positions uh, that'll be close to your side, yeah. right? So you unless they've got that seven model warband or six model warband, it's really hard to get that first kill that you really need in there. So you yeah. know I I'm really looking forward to season four when multi charge pit gets rotated out. And uh, we'll, mm. I, I think we'll see uh, a little bit, a little bit of an easier time for for Magor and for for other aggro uh, teams at that point. Yeah, yeah, I think um, board design isn't really something that gets talked a lot about too much, and I think generally they do a really good job. It, it is curious that um, Molten Shard Pit, in a lot of ways, is the best aggro board and the best defensive board. It really is at the same time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't. I, I. I think I agree. I don't. I think. I'll, I don't think I'll miss it. <laughs> um, let me see. The next thing is, um, if you were talking to someone that was going to play this warband for the first time, um, are there any particular things you would want them to keep in mind um, while they do it? Uh, yeah. So the the first one that I'd want to say is, how are you going to commit your first murder? Because really what you need to do is get that glory, get that, that train going. You might have a uh, calculated risk in your opening hand. You might get uh, something like gathered momentum uh, with spectral wings that you can get a, a first easy glory. But really what it comes down to is that you need to get that first kill and you need to start tooling up your guys. Uh, the, the other part about it, and this is probably the, the biggest uh, rookie rookie mistakes that I'll see is that uh, they'll see how big Riptooth and, and Magor are, and they'll just charge in with them right away because they want to get that first murder right away with their big guys. But then yeah. you've got Magor or Riptooth exposed, and you lose them at the end of the first round instead of just having this, this nasty blood-infused juggernaut coming in. 
So really lead in with Garthok and Zarkis. Uh, my, my ideal first round is always charge with Garthok because he can't be pushed, then charge with Zarkis uh, to try and get a kill, then charge with Magor or Riptooth. And so if, if I'm lucky, I'll still get the four charges. But the order of that is probably the probably the first thing that people should remember uh, in order to in order to really get the, the maximum effect out of them because you want you want Riptooth and Magor in that second and third round doing insane damage uh, to to whatever they've tooled up because in that second and third round your opponent is thinking I want to keep this guy alive whereas you want to kill that guy dead. And Shadespire is really designed in a lot of ways to do a lot more killing than a lot more surviving. So make sure you have your best killer there to do his utmost killing in that third round. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because why go in with Riptooth early, you know, risk maybe him dying if he doesn't inspire. Then, you know, maybe later on you'll have upgrades, you'll have, you know, it could be at better accuracy, better damage, and he can just be... Magor as well, but Riptooth in particular can just sometimes be a nightmare to deal with. <laughs> so I think that's a good, uh, some good tips. Um, the next one is just how would you play them in the current meta? I know that we've sort of been talking about that as well. Um, so maybe we'll just put the deck that you've referenced in the show notes. Um, did you have any uh, Beastgrave in particular meta tips? Yeah, a couple couple really interesting things. Uh, Nurgle has made it really interesting because you're yeah. not always going to get as many kills. Remember, even, even though Riptooth and Megor have Cleave, if your opponent is rolling those shields, uh, they're still going to heal a little. So that that makes it fun. Uh, Grimwatch, go in, tool those. Just, God, kill them. Make them, make them <laughs> all die, and yeah, that, then you'll be happy. Uh yeah. You know, Rothorn, Molog, you're you're gonna charge in and go after the big guy, and nine times out of ten you'll you'll do it uh, correctly. I'm uh, again uh, some some of the other guys that we have here. Uh, it, you know, not not just in Calgary, but we also have a city north of us, uh, Edmonton, and they they've got a great community there as well. Uh, so when when I get to go up there, uh, Jonah, Dave, Trevor are uh, are all great players here in in Calgary between uh, Jesse and Amanda and Alex and Sarah and Darcy and uh, you you get a lot of different people and a lot of different play styles that you get to play against. But in this current meta, no matter what they're doing, uh, just go in there and kill them. Uh, really, that's that's what Igor <laughs> does best, and and that's what they're meant to do. You yeah, know? I I wouldn't uh, really really be interested in doing anything else with them. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that unlike some other war bands, they're they're really just they're great at that one thing, and uh, I don't I don't think they're the simplest war band to play at a high level because um, they probably do have some weaknesses, like we talked about. But I'd say that they're the skill floor um, might be a good, they're a good one for beginners. And, uh, but then as you start to learn more about like target priority and resource management and things like that, um, they're still very interesting to play. And I would say currently in the current meta, they're uh, it's definitely a challenge probably to tussle with some of the, <laughs> the top stuff, but. You know, it, it can be, uh, but 
at, at the very least, you're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. So it, it works out really well that way. Yeah. I, I also think that honestly, they're going to be one of those war bands that um, just continues to stick around because they have great stats. They have solid cards and uh, it'll probably just be more of a meta thing than anything to do with them. Particularly if aggro comes back, I think they'll always be relevant. Yeah, and, and you know what, I, I know I've said it before here, and I, I say it a lot. Uh, I do want to make aggro great again. I, yeah. I enjoy it immensely, and I, I think it will be one of those things that uh, will will always it will always be something that people will need to look out for, uh, no matter the, the skill level that they're running or how they're going to uh, how they're planning on playing their own warband. They, they're always going to need to think about how they're going to deal with the, with the high-end aggro warbands. Yeah, especially one that you know has this many four health fighters. So, Cool. Well, I think that is everything um, that I have on the Magors, unless you have anything that you want to add. No, you know what? Um, yeah, I, I just want to get, uh, get more games in person in here. Uh, <laughs> You know, I I heard they're they're still trying to decide if they're going to do Nova this year. So if yeah. you know, I I would happily sneak across the border and be one of those three million <laughs> illegal immigrants that votes in your country or something, uh, <laughs> just in order to to play. Uh, but yeah, we man, I I want to get some more games in there. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's you know hopefully things are cleared up and it's safe and. Uh, it's able to happen, but um, I guess we'll just have to see. Um, we're going to move next into some rapid-fire questions real quick. Um, the questions are rapid-fire. Your answers can be kind of whatever you want. Um, what is your favorite fighter in the game? Uh, I I really love Gerzeg. Mm. Uh, he, I, I wish that the, the Ard Boys were, were a little more competitive because I'd certainly love to play Orcs, but really for... For this, my single most favorite fighter because he came out uh, a week or two after release, and yeah. it's just always fun to go around on a terror. Yeah, one of the single most terrifying fighters of the game. It's kind of the rest of the warband that <laughs> kind of lets him down. <laughs> um, let's see, what is your favorite warband to play, and what does that say about you as a person? I feel like maybe we've already answered this, but <laughs> yeah, Magor's Fiends definitely. I I am a, a very jovially angry person and uh, uh obviously i i commit many a murder online never in person because that's that's wrong still <laughs> it's very rude yeah <laughs> <laughs> um all right next one is if you could bring back any card from season one uh what would it be i really enjoyed playing with the cataframe relics uh oh. after after they had put in the rules that they all cost two glory uh, mm-hmm. and you cannot use things like spoils of battle or ghoulish pact in order to get them. It right. was, it was a, a very big decision on if you're going to try that or not. And yeah. there, there are some ways to make it work and some ways that you couldn't. And when it messed up, boy, it messed up big, but when it worked, <laughs> it really worked big. So I, I really enjoyed that. Cool. Cool. Um, is there a particular model that you loved painting or cannot wait to paint? You know, I'm really looking forward to the uh, the new Iron Jaws or the Brutes that are coming out. Oh, uh, yeah. 
I, I can't wait for them. Actually, uh, there's a, a couple guys, Roger and his son, Aiden. Uh, Aiden is a big Orcs fan. So he, he really makes uh, Maximum Gerzeg work in our meta still. And, and it's, a, it's a pleasure playing both of them. But uh, got to tell you, he, he, Aiden is really looking forward to the Brutes. And I got to tell you, yeah. I am too. That's, that's just going to be a lot of fun there. Yeah, yeah, I think they're called the crushes. I think that's going to be uh, right. be a lot of fun. Um, let's see. Is there a least favorite war band in the game for you? You know, I've played them all. Uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but Alberta is actually rat free. We are the biggest rat <laughs> in the entire world. And by extension, I hate those dirty Skaven. We, <laughs> we have a couple Skaven players here. And you know they're they're extremely nice little rat-faced things, and I like to hang out with them. But boy, they they are just the bane of my existence. So I know, and I'm sure that has nothing to do with LVO either, right? No, you know what? That that just reinforced it. Yeah, like, you know, we, we go to a city that allows rats, and and then I do terribly against them because I get a lot of practice against them. So you know what? To to you and Mike Carlin and John Reese and all you other rat players, man, this is why you're not allowed in Alberta. We've got our pitchforks ready for you. (laughs) Makes sense. Um, Let's see. Is there a warband that you would like to see in the future? And this can be for, like, mechanics or the faction or play style, anything. What warband would you like to see? So there are actually two that I really like that I don't think we'll ever get. Uh, The (laughs) first one is I would love Bretonians again. Uh, I'm really looking forward to having my my noble Bretonian Grimwatch uh, out there. Uh, but uh, I'd love for for a real one, uh, maybe with with some actual knights, and they can have that damsel. And I think that that would be really cool. The other one that I really like is if you played the Silver Tower, uh, which was sort of the new Warhammer quest. Uh, I would love to see sort of a, a that that mix of heroes in there, and maybe we'll see it with cities cities of Sigmar. So having a, a great sword with a uh, with a dwarf gunner and and an elf. So I think yeah. that cities of Sigmar will probably get it. Uh, but Warhammer Quest a, has really given me a, a hankering to uh, to see something like that in Shadespire. So I've really enjoyed seeing both of them. Uh, but you know, probably probably won't see won't get to see it. But we can always hope. Yeah, that would be really cool. Just like a collection of heroes from different backgrounds and stuff yeah yeah i'm so sure the mechanics would be really interesting as well yeah so if they did like the the city of Hammerhall or uh i, I forget what the yeah. called, but that that i think would be really interesting yeah and i think that's one of the cool things about this game like they don't have to make a whole army they just have to make you know a handful of models and then make some cool rules for them and it kind of has in some ways even more potential than some of the larger games for you know what's possible mm-hmm. so I think that's great. Um, let's see. If you could change one thing about a current warband or card, what would it be? You know, I would. What I would really like to do is something to make a couple of the season one warbands competitive. And in the case of the the season one orcs and the season one fire slayers, I think in both cases, if we just added uh, a magic model. So in the case of the fire slayers. You could have the the room priest or room master, 
Uh, and, and what I would like to do for them is give them a spell action, uh, something like Rune of Inspiration, where uh, they can inspire a Fire Slayer that's next to them or themselves. And I think that that would really make the Fire Slayers uh, competitive again. For the Iron Jaws, adding in a, a Shaman or a War Chanter, I was actually really disappointed that uh, the Crushes, uh, that that guy with sort of the, the bone face, uh, yeah. I was figuring that it was going to be more of a, a an Orc War Clan uh, team and that there would be a Shaman and War Dock and then a big group for the boss and then another yeah. guy there. So I, I think they missed an opportunity for that, but I, I, I'm certain I've been speaking with, uh, during COVID, I've been speaking with Games Workshop quite a bit. We had a couple face-to-face meetings and I told them that we need a Shaman for, for Gruzeg and his boys and they've agreed. So, you know, it's going to be wonderful. We're going to see Shamans and Rune Crease uh, for those guys, and uh, they're, they're going to be back for Season 4. <laughs> All right, well, you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't they have that, um, didn't they have the commercial where they had the guy named James Workshop or something? <laughs> you could be talking I've to him. I've never seen that, that's hilarious. I think it was one of their, uh, their commercials. It was pretty funny. Um, all right, well, I think that is everything um that i have is there uh anywhere that people can reach out to you if they want to talk to you i know that you're active on a lot of the different uh community channels yeah really facebook i'll i'll be around uh for <laughs> of those uh i'm i'm pretty hit or miss on discord uh yeah. you know i i really enjoy playing on vassal i it's if i'm actually in my office with my computer i'm usually just trying to work uh, yeah. so, uh, I don't get in as much uh, Vassal games as I probably should. And if I have the time to play Vassal, I'll, I'll usually just want to paint something. Or more often, you know, I'm I'm a little bit weird. I actually like going outside. Uh, <laughs> and as many of you know, uh, Canada only gets three months of summer. So now that we're in summer, uh, I'm, I'm outside much more than I am inside right now. So... Uh, yeah, really. If if they want to get a hold of me, how, how about uh, they get a hold of you, and then you can let them know what they need. Sounds good. Not a problem. All right. Well, I think that's everything that I have. Unless there's anything else you want to mention, Derek. No, it's been great. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, thank you for doing it. I think it was very interesting, and uh, it'll help a lot more murder take place. <laughs> that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone, that is it for this episode. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, let us know on Facebook at Path to Glory Podcast. You can also follow us on Podbean, where you can find the show notes for this episode. Uh, Please rate us on iTunes, and thank you for listening. We wish you the best of luck on your Path to Glory. (laughs) Very nice.